with Mrs. Reisner. They will take you. For the rest of you, uh, let's open up our Bibles together. We are in Matthew chapter 7 today. Matthew chapter 7, and we are picking up at verse 13. If you do not have a Bible, I would encourage you to pick one up over on the resource table so you can follow along with us. But we are at Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, and uh, we will only be reading two verses today. So verses 13 to 14, this is God's holy word. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Let's pray and ask for God to meet with us right now as we open up his scriptures. Father, we come before you right now and we uh, ask for your divine intervention. We ask, Lord, that your spirit would guide and direct our discussion this morning. That if we have any distractions, any, any thoughts, anything that's really keeping us from focusing in right now in this moment, we pray that you would help we ask, Lord, that you would awaken us to how serious uh, the message from these two verses is, the internal uh, significance that is weighed in on as we open up your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I don't know about you, but I, I, I like, I'm grateful for GPS and the maps and apps like that. Like, it's, it's pretty amazing. You give me an address, I can punch it in. It will give me multiple routes, usually even where to go to get to the destination. It will include traffic patterns, whether or not I'm going to have to pay a toll. They're pretty remarkable, and I think most of us here use them, and we use them blindly. If it tells you to go this way, it knows the way better than I do. Well, if you go online, there are a lot of examples of GPS not working as expected, not getting you to the destination that you would want to go. 2009, Robert Jones from England, he followed a path that got him stuck on a 110-foot cliff that he had to be rescued by a helicopter. He just kept following because it kept saying, keep going forward, keep going, and he got to the point where his car got stuck at the edge of a cliff almost fell off. He didn't die, praise the Lord, because he followed his GPS. Kurt Braun, he's a limo driver in Austria. He followed his GPS. It got him to a point where he wasn't sure this was the right way to go. He followed it. He went down a steep stairwell into a very busy city center where people are walking around and there's a limo in the middle after it banged down several flights of steps. And then Sabine Moreau of Brussels, she was trying to figure out the easiest way to get to uh, the train station to pick up a friend. It was not that far from her house. Several, several, several hours later, she ended up in Croatia because it kept telling her to go. And she's like, well, it clearly has the way to go here. So she followed. And I think what we see in all that is GPS is not perfect. 
There is a sense where you and I need to exercise discernment. If you're going to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan and you're near Cincinnati, you're going the wrong way. It can lead us wrongly. It can fail miserably in getting us to our destination. And I would say that there is, in this world, there is a spiritual GPS that is leading many and many people to the wrong destination. People are following its leading blindly straight down a path that leads to destruction, to wrath, to condemnation, and it's time to wake up before it's too late. And this is really, that's why I said, even as I was praying, it's a heavy subject we're talking about today as we unpack this passage. Because there's only one path to heaven. There's only one way to God, and his name is Jesus. But we're going to consider the two ways today as we, we break down the verses. We're going to see the two ways we are traveling on. Or look at gate number one. Gate number one is the wide way. Gate number one is the way that most people will travel. It's the one that is easy. It's, it's not very restrictive. And ultimately, it leads to destruction. So that's what we're going to begin our time with. Then secondly, we're going to look at gate number two, the, the narrow way. That's the one that few of us will travel. It's the one that is difficult. It's rigorous. It's hard. It's demanding. It's sacrificial. And ultimately, though, rather than destruction, it leads to life. So let's get started as we pick up with the wide way. Uh, One of the things I, I hope we've picked up and we've seen as we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, as Jesus has raised the, uh, the bar. Jesus has not given them a list of do's and don'ts. He hasn't given them the way to earn their salvation, that if you do this well, and you do that well, and you do this, if you do all these things, man, you're going to be able to earn your way into heaven. That that is the furthest thing from what Jesus has done. What he's actually been doing is exposing them again and again and again to their spiritual bankruptcy. You just can't. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery, but if you've ever looked lustfully at somebody, you've committed adultery in your heart. You've heard it said, don't murder, but if you've said fool to your brother, you murdered him in his heart. And he's telling them like over and over, you need me. You need a savior. And that's what we see here. And now, as we get to these verses, I think what Jesus is doing is he's calling them to action. He's calling them to respond. He's given them that fork in the road where you have a choice to make. What's it going to be? You want to enter into this kingdom that you've just heard two two chapters of preaching on? Well, there's one way to enter into that kingdom, and I'm that way. It's through the gate that ultimately is me. So with that in mind, though, we're going to look at the alternative way, okay? Okay. We're going to see gate number one, the wide way. First of all, this gate is easy. Read it with me. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy. So he's contrasting these two gates. And we'll pick up in a little bit the the narrow gate. But he's specifically, right here and now, he's looking at, at this wide gate that's going to lead you to a destination that you do not want to go to. Where it says easy, probably a better translation would be broad, spacious, or roomy. 
So think of something that there's, there, there's a, lot of, a, a lot of real estate, so to speak, to, to enter into. Uh, so we, we spent two weeks at the Holiday Inn while they did this nice pretty thing to the floor. Uh, first week at the Holiday Inn, we made a shot at doing children's church. So what we did, there was a conference room there. Not a terrible conference room. Had a giant conference table, had swiveling chairs, not that big. And we dismissed the children's church and we allowed my wife to be the guinea pig. She got to lead children's church. As she walked there, 20, I think eight children walked with her. So in this little narrow room with swiveling chairs for young kids, which they loved, and this conference table, we allowed 40 minutes of mayhem break out while Andy was preaching. I think it was Andy who was preaching that week, yeah. Uh, fast forward the following week, we did not have children's church. We, we learned a valuable lesson. You need a lot more real estate. You need a lot more space with 29 little kids. What Jesus is saying is the gate that we're talking about is not that little conference room. It's roomy, it's, it's, spacey, it's spacious, it is the gate, it is the way where everyone fits in. And that's what Jesus is warning. It's, it's the gate of the world. You're an atheist? Good, come on in. You're religious? Good, come on in. You're an adulterer? Good, come on in. You, you, you help out with you know, reading to underprivileged kids? Come on in. It doesn't matter who you are, this gate you fit. Ephesians 2, it's, it's, it's mankind. Listen to what it says. Paul is contrasting what they used to be like. And he says, you are dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. The rest of mankind fit into the gate that Jesus is speaking of here. Following the pattern of this world, disobedience, living in the passions of our flesh. Everyone is invited through this gate, and you can bring a friend. Do you understand that? Because it's not just spacious, it is easy. That's why the translation is often used easy, because it is. It's not demanding. There is no change to get in. When I graduated my, my senior year, uh, I, I was not very ambitious. I did pretty well academically, but I didn't even really, I applied at one college. That was it at the time. It was University of Akron. My one teacher who happened to be a re relative of mine, he was asking kids in class and he got to me. He's like, Joe, where are you applying? He was expecting me to have a list of schools. I was like, oh, just Akron. And he had me walk up to the front of the room. I was like, all right, it was Mr. Triffin. He said, put your arm out. So I put my arm out and he did this. He said, I feel pulse. You are accepted to the University of Akron. You may be seated. It was that easy, he said. You're, you're in. If you, if you have a pulse, you can get into Akron. And if you have a pulse, you can get into this gate. You understand? It, it's not demanding at all. Judges 21, 25, this is all you need to do. 
In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in your own eyes. If you do what is right in your own eyes, welcome to this gate. You can get in. It's inclusive. Uh, whatever religion, you're a Buddhist, great, come on in. You're a Muslim, great, you're, come on in. You're an atheist, great. Whatever it is, whatever your lifestyle, whatever you do, you are welcome into this gate no problem. Sin is tolerated. It's accepted. I would actually say it's assumed and celebrated. Well, are you on this path today? How easy is it to travel on? Do you see why and people are enticed by it? Let's be brutally honest. This gate is the easy way if we're not looking at the destination. Do you understand? If you're not looking at where it ultimately is leading, this is a whole lot easier than the other gate we're going to look at. But it is tied to a destination. So not only is it easy, this gate leads to destruction. Listen to what it says. It leads to destruction. Here's the problem with this gate. Most of the travelers don't understand where it's taking them. And if they understand it, they don't believe it. They don't grasp the magnitude of what is awaiting them. Because consider the destination. What is destruction? What is destruction? I want us to understand, this is not annihilation. This is not the ending of your, your existence. No, what it's, he's speaking of, and we'll look at it in a little bit, it's wrath. It's condemnation. It's consequences for sin. It's the person who is on a canoe, and they're paddling down that river, and as they keep paddling, everything looks so great and majestic, and it's beautiful. They're out in nature, but as they keep paddling, they keep hearing the sound of water. And as they paddle more, the water gets stronger in this, the sound but then you and I, we zoom out and we know what the water is. It's a waterfall at the end of the river. And if they keep paddling and keep traveling down there at the end of that river, they're going to go tumbling down to their likely demise and death. And that's, friends, is what Jesus is saying here. Proverbs fourteen twelve. He says, there's a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way to death. This path is taking people to a place they, they don't want to go. Nothing is good coming from this way. Whatever pleasure, whatever short-term enjoyment, whatever satisfaction that they're experiencing in the here and now, and if we're being honest, there are those experiences here and now. Living a decadent, sinful life apart from Christ in the moment, you could experience some earthly joys from that. We would be lying if we didn't say that there's some benefit in the here and now that you might experience. What we're learning, though, is it will never, please hear this, it will never be worth it. When you're comparing the two, 
the experience here and now, what I'm getting now, and what I'm going to get in the end, they will never make it worth it. Matthew 25, 41, listen to what Jesus says. He will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And he will go on and say, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. That's the destination. That's the destination that this gate is leading people. It is everlasting judgment of God, hell, wrath, and condemnation. But not only is this a destination, it is definite. That's the thing I want to really kind of drill the point on. This is happening. You have products. You'll, you'll look on the product, and if you, you look, there's usually warnings. This may happen as a result of the product. Food items, often, it may cause cancer. It might, not a guarantee, but you can't come sue us later if you end up with cancer because we warned you. But it's a possibility, even if it's a slow possibility. Medications will often have warning of symptoms as a result of the medicine. It doesn't mean it will happen to every single person, but there is a real possibility it could happen, and we're just giving you a heads up. And I think sometimes when we hear this path, sometimes when we hear this idea of wrath and condemnation and hell, we, we talk about people, we, we even use language within the context of, of church, fire and brimstone, and it, it, we, we talk about it as it is a possibility. Friends, it's not a possibility. It's not a probability. It is a promise. Do you understand that? This is certain. There are people in this room, guaranteed, statistically speaking, that are on their way to hell right now. They die right now, eternal judgment. That is a reality, and that will happen. And I don't think we take it serious enough that this is a real truth of God's word. 2 Thessalonians 1.8 he says, inflaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer. He doesn't say they might suffer. There's a possibility they're going to suffer. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Are you heading to that destination? Do you know others that are on that path? Will God not make good on his promise of judgment? Does it frighten you? You're uncertain where you stand before a holy God today. This should scare you to your core. Because not only is it a gate that leads to e that's easy, it leads to destruction. Here's the problem. This gate has many travelers. He says, and those who enter by it are many. There will be many who end up in hell. Think about that. There's, there'll be many. The most populated city in the, on the earth currently, and these numbers are based from a couple years ago, is Tokyo, Japan. 
37.4 million people. That is four times the size of New York City. Think about that. If you've ever been to New York City, it's people on top of people on top of a people. So, like, we're talking about a very populated location. Friends, hell is going to be populated beyond that. Do you understand that? Hell is not going to be empty. Matthew twenty two fourteen. many are called, but few are chosen. It should not surprise us because it is the easy way. Paul warns in Romans 9, 27, though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved. You understand, faith in Jesus is never going to be, apart from a revival and awakening, will never be the popular belief in our society and world. Apart from revival and awakening, and we want to give God the, 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 the possibility of those realities, but generally speaking, the popular belief will be the one that leads to wrath and destruction. Our team is coming back. They arrived today. The country that they went to overseas, 85 million people. Less than 1% of that are professing Christians. Think about that. I remember it. I was there in college, and I remember I had this moment. We were in some city area, and I'm looking out at the masses, and it overwhelmed me in that moment that as I look out at this group of eight, you know, however many people were in that, and it was probably a couple thousand where I was. It was a very bustling area. And I'm looking out, and I'm thinking, there might be 25 people here that know Jesus. The rest of them, hellbound. Think about that the next populated place, whether you're at Costco shopping, whether you're at a big football game. I want you to think about that when you're in those groups. Because looking around, and this is not judging that we're talking about. This is just reality. I want you to look around and think, most of the people here probably don't know Christ. Most of the people here, left to their own demise, will end up in hell. Who are some of those people in your life that you know that don't know? Because not only should, is there going to be many, this should move us. Do you think about that? To praise the Lord. That it's a, a humble reminder. I mean, there was, I remember this individual was in an accident. The police, the paramedics, the hospital, it was a miracle the whole way, nursing everything. And then when he got better, he came back and individually thanked every single person because he was like, it's by God's grace that I'm alive today. And he used you in my life. Think of that in a spiritual realm. You understand, the reason if you're a believer in Jesus this morning, and you're not on this path, and that destination is not your destination, guess why? Is it because you were smarter? Because you read the Bible more? Because you went to church more? No, the reason is because God in his infinite grace and mercy and love, he stepped in, he grabbed you and saved you. 
And as we look out into a world of people who are not saved, it should grip us to our core. We didn't send a team overseas just so they could get a vacation and go sightseeing. No, we did it because we have a heart, we have a passion, we have a mission for God's kingdom to grow near and far. And that's what should be our heart. Listen to Luke 13, 24. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. But I say to you, tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. There's so much opportunity for you and I to evangelize. I mean, it's fishing in a stocked pond. Now, the fish aren't always biting, but they're available. That's why Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He's not saying that everybody's going to believe, but he is saying, man, there is ample opportunity for you and I to tell others about Jesus. Are you compelled to pursue the loss? Are you thankful that God saved you? When's the last time that you shared your faith with somebody? And I'm not saying that to guilt you, to shame you, but I hope I'm saying it that it might motivate you. Because I don't think we think of these gates very often. We get so busy in our daily life. We've got so much going on. It's just constantly go, 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 go. And, and that's the beauty of Satan. He knows if I can distract them, they won't deal with the real stuff. They won't deal with the important stuff. They won't address the matters that have eternal significance. They'll be constantly bouncing around on all these little trivial matters that at the end of the day don't matter. I found myself watching the Ohio State game yesterday. I'm yelling at a 20-something-year-old kid that I think he's a terrible quarterback, like, throw the ball, don't throw the ball. I'm yelling at Ryan Day, who probably spent 100 hours preparing for that game. I'm, and like, at the end of the day, my team won, but if they didn't win, who cares? Is this morning any different for me besides maybe one person harassing me if Penn State would have won, or a couple, or a whole family? You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't, at the end of the day, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't matter. And I think too many of us were so caught up and all this earthly stuff that we're not appreciating that there are people in our lives who don't know Jesus, who are headed to hell, and we don't care at all. So that's the wide way, easy, destruction, many. Let's look at the narrow way, the better way, the, the, really the only way to heaven. It's the way of Jesus Christ and the gospel. First of all, it says this gate is hard. It says for the gate is narrow and the way is hard. It is exclusive, this gate is. It, the, the actual language where it says narrow, it's pressing, it's constricting, it's, it's confining. It's a turnstile. Who here has ever walked through a turnstile? We don't see them much anymore. One of the random places I see it is Bass Pro Shop. Not sure why. And they got a huge area you can walk to the left of it. So I don't even know why I'm walking through it. But I see it. I'm with my kids. Like, we got to walk through the turnstile one at a time. And you're like, kind of go through it. And as I'm getting older and bigger, I don't fit in it as easily. I maybe even sideways. Do you understand? Like, that is the language that he's speaking of. It's, it's narrow. It's, it's the security entrance of an airport where you can only kind of go through that one area. And you got to wait your turn. And, and everything gets to be checked out. Remember, it's contrasting that wide, easy, open, spacious way 
And I think as we zoom out from Matthew, what we see is it's not a gate. It's a person. Jesus is the gate. John 10, 9, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. It implies that anyone else is not the entrance that any other way is the wrong way. John 14, 6, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Do you know what that implies? Every other way is wrong. It's exclusive, this gate. This is why part of the reason that Christianity is so offensive. Because it says every other way is the wrong way. Every other religion is the wrong religion. Unless you are resting and trusting in Jesus Christ and the gospel, you are on the path that leads to hell. You want the kingdom, the only way, the exclusive way is Jesus. And that's why it's a hard way. But not only is it hard, it's elusive. It's hard to find this way. Why? Because ultimately Satan blinded people. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So he's this exclusive way and the world looks out and they don't even see it. They see their way as a potential better option. They just, they don't. I've shared it before, I have a deficiency. I'm not sure what the medical term is that I cannot see a magic eye. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's that little puzzle. It's this image, I don't, it, it's this image uh, where you have to get close to it and you kind of zoom out and there's like a 3D image that projects as all. I can't see it. Like I don't know, there's something, like I'm missing something in my brain, something in my eyes. I've a couple times lied because like, everybody else could see it, and I felt like, I felt bad. I'm like, oh yeah, totally. I've never seen it before. 47 years going strong. I don't think it will ever happen unless there's a surgery for that. So if there's a surgery, let me know. Uh, I think that would probably not be covered by my insurance, but you understand. Listen to this, So We need to grasp this reality. The world doesn't see its need for Jesus. John 1.11, he came to his own and those who were his own did not reject, did not receive him. The truth of the matter is people reject Jesus all the time. Some of you here, guaranteed, rejecting Jesus right now. Are you relying on anyone or anything besides Christ for your salvation? Do you see Jesus as God reveals him? Because if you do, that's God's grace. If you're seeing it, praise the Lord, because that's a God thing. But not only is this the hard way, it's the gate that leads to life. He goes on and declares, for this gate that's hard, it leads to life. Where the wide way offers destruction, wrath, and misery, this gate leads to life as everlasting. It ultimately provides for hope and assurance. Have you ever came across those would you rather questions? 
They're like a series of questions and they'll ask you, would you rather, and it's usually negative things. Would you rather drown or be lit on fire? Like, how about C? Like, neither. But think about this. I mean, this is really Jesus ultimately saying, would you rather destruction or would you rather have life? And isn't it the, the most wild thing? More people are picking destruction. But we have hope. Jesus said uh, in John that he came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. But even beyond life in Christ here on earth, much more importantly, we need eternity. We need our sins dealt with. We need wrath and judgment in our place. And Christ has dealt with this on the cross. And that's the hope here. That's where the narrow way, it, 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 it's the better way. It's the best way. It's, it leads to life. 1 John 5, 12, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you. Believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. When we do membership class, after we do the membership class, if you want to become a member, you'll sit down with me or Andy or one of the other elders. We'll hear your testimonies. And at times I've had to kind of instruct and it, it's caught me off guard a little bit because when I, I've sat there and I've, I've heard people's stories and I start asking them, like, you stand before God, what would you say? Like, why would he let you into eternity? It amazes me sometimes to hear even professing Christians that say, well, I've, I mean, I, I, I try hard, I do good, I go to church, I do all these things. And I'm listening, I'm like, oh my goodness, you're, you're not getting the point. And I'm like, and I'll usually follow up with that, how confident are you? And a good chunk of people will be like, I'm pretty confident, you know, I don't know. I like throw a number out there, like 70%, 80%. Friends, you're missing the point. You, me, getting to, into heaven is based solely on Jesus. Faith and trust in him. If, it, if any part of your testimony is what you've done, you should be 0% confident. But I look at eternity, I look at the future, and I'm not confident because I'm a pastor. I'm not confident because I preach every week. I'm not confident because I work in ministry. I'm confident because Jesus has paid my debt. And I'm resting solely in him. And that's what I have to, to look forward to because it's not just that he provides this hope. We're going somewhere. Think of that. That you and I are going on a trip. But you and I, when we go on a trip, what usually happens after the trip? We have to do what? Come back. I mean, think about it. Think of your best vacation. How depressing was it the day you got back? It's just like, ah, oh, just those feelings. You, I always loved it when I worked at UPS because people would go on vacation all the time. And like, it was always fun the day they got back because they just always had terrible attitudes. Guaranteed it. Like, I remember the day before they'd go on vacation, I always wanted to take a picture and we could have had a wall Day you went on vacation, the day you went back, and everybody's smiling and excited, and everybody's you know, kind of walking real fast, and they come in, it's just this frown face. Well, friends, you and I, we are going on a, a, a vacation, but it's for eternity, and we're never coming back. 
And that should excite us. That should motivate us. John 14, 2 says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will make you, take you to myself, and where I am, you may be also. Are you confident in this eternal standing? Are you longing for it? I think sometimes we get so caught up, and I've said this before, in this world that most of us would prefer heaven to happen when we're 90. I want to watch my kids have kids. I want to do all those things, experience all these things. And at that point, I I can't really do that much, so I'm ready for heaven. Friends, we should long for heaven yesterday. I mean, that was the one thing I love with Paul. Paul was always like, for me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. I mean, he literally said to the Philippians, I would rather go to heaven, but I'm stuck here because of you. But okay, because this is what God wants. I'm cool with it. But it's going to be better when I'm not with you and when I'm with Jesus. And there needs to be that longing. That's what we have to look forward to. So the gate is hard. It leads to life. And here's the, the deal. This gate has fewer travelers. He says, and those who find it are few. The reality of the few. Now we need to make a, a, a statement it's not a size issue of heaven, okay? I mean, sometimes there's a limit to a venue. Like, we can only put so many people in this gymnasium. At some point, we would either add a second service or we end up at a different location, whatever. There is a limit. I cannot put 5,000 people legally in this gym, safely in this gym. I don't even know if physically we could do it. Stacking on top of people, maybe. That's not what he's warning here. It's not that heaven has a size limit and only a few are going to be able to fit it. No, it's not that. It doesn't limit on size, heaven's limits, or God's ability. John 6, 37 says this. All that the Father gives me will come to me. Whoever comes to me I will never cast out. This is the will who sent me that I should lose none of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of the Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Translation, Jesus will save as many people as he has ordained to save. Heaven will not be empty either. We read that every tribe and tongue and nation will happen. So heaven's going to be pretty full too. But there's a reason for the few, and what's that? Because The call to Christ is not what I would commonly hear people call a call to easy believism. And it's a great danger in the church today. We'll do an altar call, we'll do this or that, and we just basically say, you need to believe in Jesus, and people hear it and like, just check the box. So they check the box, or you need to come up front, and the people come up front, and they say, I believe in Jesus, and then they leave, and they go back into their life, the life of the wide open gate, there's no change, no transformation, and then there's this delusional naiveness that, well, they prayed a prayer, they're going to heaven. Now, we've said it before, are we saved by works or grace? Everybody say it with me. Grace. But grace will lead to change. It will lead to transformation. 
That's why Jesus, listen to Jesus, Mark 10, 21. You lack one thing. He's speaking to the rich, old, the rich young man, young ruler. Sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Disheartened by this saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Do you see the difficulty in following Jesus? He did not want to leave his past life. He, he wanted his proverbial cake and eat it too. But Jesus, listen, Mark 8, 34, if anyone would come after me, and that would be, tra- I mean, that's basically what he's saying. If you're going to be a believer in me, if you're going to profess faith in me, if you're going to follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever saves his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Are you one of the few who found, found it? Have you truly believed? Are you a cross-bearer? And I'm not, please don't misunderstand me. I am not saying that you do this stuff so you can get into heaven. But if you trust in Christ, he will transform your life. So we are nearing, we got eh, a little over a week of uh, going towards, and I know some of you will be like, oh, my least favorite holiday is Halloween. Just don't like it. I like candy, though. I like candy year-round, so, yeah, I make a year, yeah, candy is a year-long holiday at the Hillrich House. Uh, just look at my dentist bills. But it's one of my least favorite, and, and one of the main reasons I don't like Halloween, and not, I'm not going to go down a whole path of, of condemning and, and shaming on it. I don't like being scared. Don't find pleasure in it. Uh, don't enjoy it. Uh, but apparently there's enough people in our society that enjoy being scared. Based on every ridiculous movie trailer that's on for the last two months, if I watch TV. Like we literally are changing channels or covering screens or eyes while this like morbid, weird trailer will come on. I drive by, there's haunted houses, there's a field out by, not far from my house, the field of terrors, and there's enough frightening, there's this one house that's just got the weirdest, creepiest decorations at his house. He's had them for months, it's just weird. I don't know the guy, and I know we're a couple weeks removed from don't judge, kind of judging. But here's the deal. Do you like being scared? Because I, because I, I and, and I'm not saying this to be comical. I want us to really come to grips with what we just spent time looking at. You want to be frightened? You, you know, something, I can tell you, I have something that is scarier than any haunted house or field that you go to. I have something that is scarier than any movie you will ever see. I have something that's scarier than any weird, creepy decorations at a house you will ever encounter. What is that? If you're on the wide, wide gate. Because it is leading to destruction. 
Friends, Halloween, it, it, it doesn't do even justice to the fear of what eternal wrath and condemnation is going to be like. Because here's the truth. We're going to close with this. There are two travelers in this room today. And when you go to the grocery store later, two travelers at the grocery store. You go to Costco, two travelers. When you're at that football game, two travelers. When you're at work tomorrow, two travelers. Maybe even in your own house, two travelers. Traveler number one, it's on the journey, the wide, spacious gates, living as you desire, doing what is right in your own eyes, traveling with the masses, ease, indulgence, sin. Beware. You're going towards destruction, to wrath, to condemnation, because this is what your sin deserves. If you're on this journey, be afraid. Be very afraid. But not only traveler one, second traveler, the narrow and hard way, the path of the few, the exclusive way of resting and trusting in Jesus. And and I'm, I'm feeling comfortable in saying, Lord willing, based on the fact that a lot of you are members here at Covenant, and we heard your testimony, so I would say this room has more that are in this traveling than the other traveling. Two things for you, though. One, praise Jesus that you're on this path. Just praise the Lord. We're going to close with a, a, a song. Even though this is a weighty passage, the song's going to be more upbeat because God has saved us. But then also for you, be moved that we live amongst the people who are not saved. Hebrews 10.31, listen to what he warns. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. We have a choice to make. What gate, what way are you going to head down? Is Christ your answer? Let's pray. God, we come before you right now. We acknowledge, Lord, that... We need Jesus. I pray for anybody here who does not know Christ, anybody here who is uh, not uh, following the Lord and is headed down this wide gate that leads to destruction uh, with the masses. We pray that you would rescue them, that you would deliver them, that you would uh, ultimately step in and pluck them out of uh, the fires of hell. I pray for those who do know Jesus, Lord, that we would live lives uh, in obedience and live lives that are pleasing in your sight as a follower of Jesus, but also that we would be men and women and children who are compelled to seek after the lost. Because it's not for your grace, if it's not for your mercy, we too would be on that wrong path. So we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand as we respond with a song.